You are listening to sermon audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to connect, visit us online at gracecc.net. Good morning. My name is Gabe. Uh, For those who don't know me, I'm one of the pastors here. And I'm just really excited about uh, this passage that we're going to take a look at as we continue the book of Genesis, the series through the book of Genesis. Last week, as we um, got into the first chapter, uh, Gary pointed something out that is really important to today's topic as well. Um, It's that the book of Genesis is written uh, to a specific group of people in a specific point of time. That's when it was delivered. Can you think of when this book was given? Okay, you don't have to shout it out. That wasn't the point. Yeah. Um, but it, it's written to the children of Israel as they were coming uh, out of Egypt. They came out of Egypt. And uh, God did this amazing work. They'd been slaves for 430 years. And uh, Pharaoh was heavy-handed. And they were crying for God's help. And God sent Moses. And uh, Moses went to Pharaoh and he said, let my people go. That's what God says. And uh, God, uh, Pharaoh said, no. And so... God did all these amazing miracles and forced Pharaoh to let his people go. And so um, as he let the people go, God split the Red Sea and people walked across dry land into the desert. Um, and uh, here they were and God, God basically brings them to this mountain, Mount Sinai. And God at Mount Sinai basically says to his people, he says to the Israelites, I, I, I want to have a relationship with you so I'm going to have you guys get ready and we're going to meet on this mountain. We're going to meet. You're going to come to the foot of the mountain and I'm going to speak to you and we're going to have this, this relationship. And so the people get ready for three days and on the third day they come and they're beginning to approach the mountain. As they come, come closer to the mountain, you know, the mountain uh, is, has this cloud over it and it just is beaming with glory and there's thunder and there's loud noise like a trumpet sound and it's just beaming and scary. And so the people of Israel, as they look and they come close, they realize God is a holy God. And we are sinners. We are broken. And if we approach God, that's not gonna be good. And so they go to Moses and they're like, Moses, we need you to go to God for us as we can't do this. We're afraid. So you go, you talk to God, you listen to what he has to say to us, and then you come back and you tell us what God says. And that's going to be the relationship. That's how it's going to work. There will be people who go and talk and come back and communicate. So it had to be highly disappointing to God and to people that have this this people that he rescued and he wants a relationship with and he finally offers the opportunity and they're afraid and they can't come close. And so the Israelites leave Sinai and they head towards the promised land and as they come close to the promised land, they, they, they forget or don't realize that God is with us. And so they disobey God and instead of going into the land, they are afraid again and they turn away. And because of their disobedience, God says, you know, 
you're going to wander through the desert for 40 years. Can you imagine what that had to be like? To pitch your tent, and uh, you go, you get up in the morning, and it's hot, and you walk outside of your tent, and it's time to go collect manna, because God is sustaining you with this heavenly bread. And so they go out, and they collect this manna, and then they have to prepare it and bake it, so you have to go look for firewood or something to start a fire, and you collect that, and you've got to find some way to, some water in the desert, and you go, and you do this, and you come back, you eat, you spend some time with your family, and it's hot, and uh, then you do that, you know, today, and then you go to sleep, and you wake up the next morning, and you do the same thing, and you do the same thing, and maybe in two weeks, you get up, and you pick up your tent, and you go for a walk for a few miles, and then you pitch your tent again, And it starts over, the daily grind. Can you imagine what the people were thinking? And the the people who left Egypt, they were all going to die in the desert. So if I could imagine a guy saying, you know, what's the point? What's the purpose Every single day, this is my life. I did this yesterday, I'm doing it today, I'm going to do it tomorrow, I'm going to do it till the day I die. What's the purpose? And it's in that setting that God gives the book of Moses, uh, the book of Genesis to Moses, and this is where he introduces the book to these people in the desert. And I don't know what kind of desert you have experienced or maybe you are experiencing or maybe you will experience. I don't know what your days are like. Maybe they're not so desert-like, but maybe they are a little bit monotonous. You did, yes, today you're doing what you did yesterday and what you did before, and tomorrow you're gonna do the same thing. There are some things that are just like that. And maybe in all that, you have questions and you, if you're like me, you're wondering, why, what's the point? What's this all about? And as we dive into um, this part of Genesis, would you keep that in mind? And so here's what God, uh, last week as we started, basically God said, Genesis 1 said, God is the creator of the universe. He, uh, he is the maker of the universe. He's maker of the earth. He, there was this pattern of forming and filling where God makes the heavens and makes the stars. He, he uh, separates the waters and then fills it with sea life a marine life, fish, and then he uh, separates the earth and he fills that with plants, with birds and animals, and then he comes to one more thing he's going to create, and this is what it says. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they might rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. 
They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he made, and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Hmm. When he starts out, first thing we read here about mankind, he says, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Something very different about how God creates the animals. I mean, when it comes to what he's formed them out of, yeah, it's all earth. But when he makes man, there's something very different, and it's this. Let us make mankind in our image. Something very special, unique about man. It doesn't say that about, as far as I know, about anything else in creation, even angels. But man is created in the image of God. So let me ask you, who is made in the image of mankind? Look around. Look around. Look at the people sitting next to you. If you held a mirror, you are created in the image of God to bear the likeness of God himself in you. And I think about the people that we live around and uh, these people, construction worker or a nurse, doctor, are they created in God's image? That's pretty easy, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, what, about, what about these people? If you watch the news at all this week, this young man on the left, he was picked up um, bec- uh, for car theft. And, uh, you know, he's, he's a criminal. The guy on the right, he's Brian Keith Starr. Has anyone heard about him? Okay. He's the wedding gift snatcher. Yeah. So if you're doing weddings, <laughs> uh, he stole over $13,000 worth of valuables. Is, are these guys created in God's image? Yep. They are. What about these people? Undocumented workers. Or Muslims, people from a different faith. Yep. What about the LGBTQ community? Or a homeless man? or a fetal person, are they created in the image of God? Yeah, they are. It makes me wonder, well, human dignity, where is it found? It's found in being created in, in his image. Man is different than animals. He's different than anything else because he's created in the likeness of, of God. Um, the reason why he's so uniquely special, so valuable, where man finds dignity is in God himself. Someone might jump ahead here and say, you know, um, well, we completely lost God's image in the fall, but that's another week's message, so I won't go into the fall. But before thinking about completely losing God's image, uh, look, at, look at this verse in Genesis 9. This is after the fall. And this is talking about why, uh, not, why murder is a bad thing, why it's, why, it's, 
why it's immoral and, and God basically says, whoever sheds human blood by human, humans shall their blood be shed for in the image of God has God made mankind. This is post-fall, this is broken, sinful man still displaying the image of God. So look around. We display the image of God. So my question is, how are we doing when it comes to extending God's grace to others around us? Do we see other people as valuable because they are created in God's image? The reality is it's easy to miss the big picture and focus on differences. They're not like me. I must be the one who's created in God's image, but not everybody, you know. Are we looking at other people and seeing them for what God has made them to be? And, and if you think about it, God has extended his grace to me, to us. And how different am I from God? And yet, I'm created in his likeness. Another thing that gets lost when we don't start with God is a sense of purpose. Why am I here? The purpose for our existence since uh, seen in creation is that mankind exists to reflect God's image. Just like a mirror reflects your face in the morning, we are to reflect God's image that's what we are designed to do. It's, it's for his glory. We are image bearers of God himself. And what does this mean? The moon needs the sun to give light. We need, we need God. We are designed uh, to, to display what he is like. So here are Adam and Eve, and they're created by God to display what God is like. But here Adam and Eve, and here is God, and they are in relationship with God. They uh, together are going to portray with their lives what God is like, you know, but, but they spend time with him. They get to walk in the garden and see God physically and talk with him and God can say, hey, what, what name is this animal? And you know, they're talking about things. There's a conversation. They see God for, for who he is. And my question for us today, you might say, well, yeah, we, we're definitely, we have a problem because we can't see God the way, the way they did. Is there a way to personally get to know him? And the answer to, to that is yes. There's definitely a way. And Hebrews chapter one, verses one and two says this. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. Hmm. Um, when, I, when I think about this, if you keep in mind that the Israelites couldn't approach God because they were afraid. They were afraid of a holy God because his glory was just displayed in, in its majesty. Well, God chooses to wrap himself in humanity. He makes himself approachable by becoming one of us. He comes to us in the form of Jesus, the Son. And uh, according to th this verse in Hebrews Verse three, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. In Spanish, the exact representation is actually translated, translated the faithful image. Now I know we're not supposed to go to Spanish and then come to English you know, from the original language. I just like the Spanish translation. The, the faithful image or the exact representation. Jesus 
is what Adam was. Adam was not faithful. Adam and Eve were not faithful to this image, and Jesus is the faithful image. We can, we can come to Jesus. We can look at him. Jesus not only is the exact representation, but if you look at this last section here, it says, after he had provided purification for our sins. The Israelites, when they came to Mount Sinai, they couldn't approach the holy God because they were broken and sinful. Well, Jesus comes and he deals with, with this barrier, with this fear barrier. He deals with the sin issue. He's, he's there to purify, to cleanse from sin. His death was the payment needed to cleanse us from our brokenness, to cleanse us from our sin, to take away the power of fear. So if we want to approach God, we can do this by coming to Jesus. Paul to the Colossians writes, he says, the son is the image of the invisible God. So do you approach God? Do you come to know him? How do we do that? And, and where do you go to understand when you, when you think about life struggles and you think about purpose, when you think about who you are, when life uh, feels like you're wandering through a desert, the days come and go and it feels like the grind, where are you going to find a sense of purpose? And God has made a very clear path, a clear way for us to come into his presence and allow the creator himself to tell us what we're all about. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, man, just realize that God loves you and he pursues you. He deeply desires to have you willingly turn to find Jesus. Jesus says this, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Um, I know food is important in, in American culture, uh, English culture. In Hispanic cu culture, it's like, if you want to talk about relationship, it's, you got to have food. Uh, there, there are these group, there's this, this group of people, the Michoacanos, they're very reserved people. And it's really hard to, to get to know them unless you're invited to their house to eat or unless you find some way to eat with them. Once you eat with them, you're in. <laughs> you're like family. Um, but I think about this. Jesus is saying, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. I want to come in and have a relationship with you. I want to uh, have a potluck a convivio, we call it. We're having one this afternoon. Uh, but I want to spend, I, I want to be in relationship with you, but I'm not going to force it. You voluntarily have to let me in. I'm knocking. I'm here. I'm, I'm waiting for you. And if you don't know Jesus today, would you, would you think about, would you consider right now in your mind, you could just talk, you could have this conversation with him. He's everywhere. You can say, Jesus, yeah, I need you in my life. Would you come in? If, you've already, if you already have this relationship with Jesus and you, you dine with him, you, you're having conversations with him, man, listen to what Paul says to the Colossians about this relationship. You have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge, in the image of the creator. If you, if you know Jesus, the more you get to know him, the more your life is constantly changing to be more like him. And that's awesome because I, it happens in the context of relationship. 
In 2 Corinthians 3, it says, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. As we spend time with God, there's this veil, even when we come here this morning, there was, were probably distractions, maybe things that are in the way, and sometimes it's failures and it's sin. And he's saying, Jesus takes that, if we trust Jesus, he takes that out of the way. There's no covering. And when, when Moses, back in, in the Old Testament, when he went up to the mountain, and he talked to God, and he came back down, his face was beaming with glory. It was so bright that the, the children of Israel were like, cover your face. We can't come near you because you're in relationship with God and your face just is glorious. And he's saying, we come with unveiled faces. And, and Moses, when he came down from the mountain and he spent time with people, you know, he covered his face so that they could come close. But over time, that brightness, that glory faded. And here it says, you know, when we contemplate the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. It's not decreasing. It's growing as we are in relationship with God. This, his likeness in us grows. It's kind of like, as I think about spending time with God. I remember years ago, I was thinking about this, and I'm like, what's it like? And uh, it's kind of like this pomegranate tree. I was in Bolivia and I went out in the sticks to visit this family and, and uh, their daughter and my kids, we went for a walk. And as I was looking out in the distance, I saw this, uh, this pomegranate tree, kind of like the picture, picture in the upper left, where in the distance I see this one, one fruit. And I was like, is that a pomegranate? Is it not granada? And in Paraguay, we have these little ones and they're red, but this was green and it was big. And I saw it, I'm like, is that a pomegranate tree? She's like, yes. It is. So I walk over to the tree, and as I get under it, it was more like the picture to the right, where you get under this tree, and there were pomegranates everywhere, but you couldn't see it from the outside. Spending time with God and seeing his glory is like that. You come and you spend time with God. You read his word, and you pray, and sometimes it's hard to see that one little thing that shows you who he is. But the more you spend time with him, the more you begin to see who he is and how he's working. And the more he reveals himself to you and over time, as you do this, you will get a really big picture of who God is. And when I look at the scriptures and I look at people who have seen God and spent time with, those who see his glory like Isaiah or John, the moment they see his glory, they fall to the ground and they're like, I am so dead because God, God is a holy God. He's a holy God, and his presence is holy. It's pure, but it's not just pure. That's one aspect of God's holiness. Another side of this is that God is on a level that is so, um, that only belongs to him. There's no one like God. I would typically use the words set apart, but this implies that, you know, he's kind of separated and disconnected from creation and when you look at Genesis and you look at the creation uh, of the earth universe and Adam and Eve he's not disconnected he's dedicated to Gary Brashear suggested that was probably a better word he's dedicated to and I thought well what's he dedicated to himself that sounds kind of selfish but it's God 
That's not selfish. He can do that. He's God, and he's dedicated to the people, the, the persons in, in the Trinity. And he's dedicated to his purpose, and he says, he says to us, be holy because I am holy. He creates Adam and Eve, and he says, well, he didn't have to tell them. He already created them, set apart. So how does this holiness um, and sanctification work? It's not something we can accomplish on our own efforts. How many times have you tried? How many times have I tried? I just, I just got to be better, God. I got to work at this. And sometimes we're off doing it on our own efforts. And I love this example in, in Exodus 30, 33, what Moses, he's talking to God. And he's having this conversation with God and he's saying, God, I know what you said. You say that, you know, I, 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 I'm okay with you. And God says, yes, Moses, you're, I'm with you. You're good. I'll take care of you. I'm, I'm with you. And he's like, yeah, God, but you know, I, I hear you say that you, you like me, that you know me by name, and that's good and all, but um, when we leave here, who's going with us? Who's, and, and, and here's what Moses says. He says, then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us and do not send us up from here, how will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? Another version says, what else will set us apart? How will, how will we be holy? Be, uh, how will people know that we are designated to? How will people know? I love this about Moses. He's saying, God, I don't want to leave here and go unless you go with me. I need your presence I need you. And as I think about me and I think about how I live my life, sometimes it's easy to just get up, you know? Maybe, maybe, maybe you're even someone who reads his Bible every day in the morning and, and you do that and you think maybe you, you're disciplined and you get up and you read your Bible and you pray. And you're like, okay, God, that was great. Now I'm gonna, you stay here and I'm gonna go live my day. That's not what Moses is saying. Moses is saying, I, if, I'm not, if you're not gonna go with us when I leave, I may as well just stay here. I need you. I need you to come with me. And is that how we live our lives? Do we live our lives, Lord, please go with me as we're going to work and we're thinking about we're gonna arrive there and there are gonna be people there. Are we talking to God about those people? Are we saying, God, I want you to bless the company I work for or the organization I work for, the, my workplace? Please bless these people, and there are people maybe I don't get along with. You know, can, God, would you work in me today so that this would happen? And, you know, you go to the gas station, are you thinking about, you know, the guy pumping your gas or, or wherever you're at, are you thinking, you know, this guy's created in God's image? Or what conversation, is my conversation honoring to you, Lord, with this person? Is that how we live our lives? And then at the end of the day, I'm going home, and, uh, my wife and kids are there. Am I praying about them? Am I having a conversation with God throughout the day? God's not someone who just wants a moment here and a moment there. Holiness, being set apart, designated to, means I'm putting myself apart. I'm, I'm, 
I'm giving myself to you. I'm dedicating myself to you. Another way uh, for Adam and Eve to bear the image of God was in reflecting a ruling, creative, and powerful God. Last week we saw that God designed, he, made, he makes creation. Um, when we look at colors, tastes, smells, a couple of weeks ago I went to Chicago and I went to this little church and I walked into the basement, my brother was with me, and we walked into this basement and I took in a, a breath of air and I just smelled this and I was like, wow, the smell is the same from like 12 years ago. And I probably smelled that smell when I was like three and four. And it was just there. And I started remembering, yeah, I remember when the floor was different, but the smell is the same. Interesting how creative God's is. You know, the smells, uh, the scenic views, the sounds of the world, it's all screaming. The one who made me is creative. He's out of this world intelligent. He's powerful. He is delicate. He's good. He really likes to work from atoms to giant stars and constellations. This is God. Um, God said this to Adam and Eve. I think I'm jumping here. Did I skip a picture? He, t he told Adam and Eve, he blessed them, and then he says, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Hmm. Um, from Legos to whatever man builds, and, and I was here a couple weeks ago in Chicago, and how, how many of you have been to the Cloud Gate? Yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd been there before, but never to this place. And it looks like this giant drop of mercury, like it's just gonna bloop, flow over. Um, but as we, as we went to look at this, this piece of art, I think that's what it is, <laughs> um, the cool thing was that it displayed the buildings around it. And that's what it was kind of meant to do. It's just all this uh, stainless sheet metal that was put together. And it's basically displaying the skyline, skyline of Chicago. And, and there are all these amazing buildings. And I was talking to my mom and dad. And we're like, wow, men have made some really cool things. And yeah, it's really cool. When I think of my kids this week, they're playing with Legos. And they're reflecting the image of God. When I think of Someone mowing their lawn, and man, I go around to different places and I see people's lawns. I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. Mine's not like that. <laughs> but just to see people working um, from little things to working, going to work and doing your job well, you are reflecting the image of God. When you draw, when you create art, when you make music, when you cook, <laughs> when you bake, you are reflecting the image of God. When you think about your week, in how many ways did you reflect God's image or did you see other people reflect his image? God is a ruling, creative, and powerful God. Another thing about God is that we find he is a, a God of relational unity. That phrase, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. It's a conversation. 
Last week when Gary presented the creation, you know, God's, God's there and it says the Holy Spirit came and, and moved and he, he asked the question, who's that? And then later God speaks and he's let us. God is talking to himself or to one of the other persons in the Trinity and there's this relationship, this conversation and when you look at the entire picture of the Bible, there were conversations way before about what was gonna happen but it was in relationship. And the first place that God was gonna ask, uh, have Adam and Eve reflect this relationship was in marriage. Male and female, he created them, and, and in that relationship, they were supposed to display, display God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit, what they are like. When I think about this, and I think about my marriage, I have to ask myself, Am I pursuing relational unity in our, in our marriage? This is really important because in our culture, it's easy for uh, the husband to go and do his thing and to work and the wife to go and do their work and at the end of the day, you share a roof and relationship can suffer. And sometimes people are just living these parallel lives and they're sharing a roof and it's kind of like this business deal where you get, you know, the, um, the fun stuff in marriage, but you aren't really responsible to what marriage is really all about. It's about displaying God's image, displaying unity and relationship. And if you're in that kind of relationship or you're living together, but, but there's no connection, there's no deep relationship, man, you are so missing out on God's blessing. That is not his desire for you. He wants so much more. So at times you have to fight for this relationship, but hopefully that's not all the time. Hopefully it's, well, man, I get, I get to spend time with her. I get to talk. So we, we are meant to, to, to imitate or to reflect God in relationship. Adam would become a father, and Eve would become a nurturing mother. They would have a son, and mankind would begin to reflect what God must be like. And Adam and Eve, they lived a long time. So years later, their grandchildren, great-grandchildren are looking at them and they're still reflecting the image of God. So the question for me is, what am I displaying to my kids, to those around me? Um, if you're not married, you might be thinking, well, this doesn't apply to me. <laughs> no, it does. Because uh, God is about relationship, not just in marriage, it's about to display God's image. It requires relationship with other people. You can do this with friends and family and neighbor and just people around you. God is also very much about relationship with us. There's this verse that says this, for, that, for, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. I love that phrase, many, many brothers and sisters. Um, Jesus, the image of God, the almighty creator, the one who was there and, and spoke and sustains creation, he's saying, you're my brother. You're my sister. This is God pursuing relationship. As I call the band to come up and continue leading us in worship, one of the things I don't wanna miss about God as I read these verses is about God, how much God is a generous God. He is a giving God. He blessed them. Just in that, 
He blessed them, a blessing from God. And it says, be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and increase is part of the blessing. But then it says, I give you. And when you think about what God gave Adam and Eve, he gave them the garden, but he gave them the world. And he blessed them. God gives them fruitfulness, and he is the same God with us today. He blesses us. He gives us the, man, I I think about the first time I drove out to Oregon. I lived in Paraguay, landlocked, not mountainous, and I lived in North Dakota. (laughs) Very much landlocked. I got to live in Kansas, too. Um, And I met my wife in Iowa. First time I drove out to see mountains, I uh, I was probably 19. And I drove out towards Montana, and I saw the mountains in the distance, and I was just like, wow, that's amazing. And then I got to camp in it for a week. That was amazing. But then I met my wife, and years later, I drove out to Oregon. And I came down Highway 84, down the gorge, and I was just like, wow, this is, heaven's going to be like this. And then I drove and and I was coming into Eagle Creek and I drive down this road and it's called Hypel but it ends on Paradise Lane. (laughs) And there are trees everywhere and it's just covering the road and I'm just driving down this tunnel of trees and just, it's just beautiful. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm not dating Carrie. I'm dating Carrie because if I date her, I'm thinking I'm going to get married. That's the plan, right? And I'm thinking, man, if if we get married, she's going to have to leave Paradise. She did end up doing that, which is really cool. (laughs) But God is so good. He's so good to us. And as we continue to worship, I want to ask you to ask him, whose image am I displaying? How have I been displaying your image this week? And ask him, Lord, Spirit, please, Holy Spirit, please lead me. Please show me how you want me to represent you this week. As I think about that conversation between uh, Moses and God up on Mount Sinai and him saying, God, you have to go with us. God, you have to go with us. God, you have to go with us. And God answers, And he says, okay, Moses, everything you ask, I'll do it. I'll go with you. (laughs) And Moses doesn't stop there. He says, okay, Lord, I want to see your glory. What's your prayer when you leave here? God, Father, I just thank you for the promise, the reality that you are with us that we are made in your likeness and Jesus, you are with us. So Father, as we go, thank you for coming with us. But Lord, we want to see your glory and we need the world around us to see your glory in us. So would you shine in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church. For more information about service times and ways to connect, visit us online at gracecc.net.